0: Our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect a change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. Healing. Regular listeners of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast have heard us discuss how dreams help to heal our wounds. But can dreams help us heal our bodies? Absolutely. After a workshop I gave at a health spa, A woman took me aside to share a dream she had where an evil snake said to her straight up, I'm gonna kill you, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. So there I am clicking in the dream analyst mode and thinking about snake symbolism when she then says to me, I had late stage brain cancer. She must have seen the look on my face because she quickly added, that was five years ago. Then she told me that she had a dream around the same time about a powerful black panther hunting her. And again, she was thinking quicker than me, adding, it was an ally against the snake. I needed to accept its strength in my fight against the cancer. The black panther symbolized her fighting spirit. That experience made this dream analyst go back to school. We focus so much on what dreams say about the mind and spirit that it's easy to overlook what they say about the body. Edgar Casey, a psychic and dream interpreter, says that body-based dreams are the most common type. The body gives nightly status updates, and by learning to listen to those dreams, you gain all sorts of good information about the health of your body and the types of foods, activities, and treatments that benefit its health. Or, as you're about to hear, dreams can advise you about how to get your health back. For that subject, our guest is Leilani Navarre, a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine and the host of the Dreamer's Den podcast. She and my co host Steve Ernenwine discuss her dreams that helped her overcome a chronic thyroid issue and address the deep spiritual wounds that carried down through her ancestry. It's a fascinating discussion, so let's get to it.
1: Well, thank you. Leilani, for being here with me today. Uh, here we are in another episode of the Dreams That Shape Us podcast. Uh, thank you for being here with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've we've become uh, quite chummy over the last year or so. I don't remember how long it is <laughs> now, and <laughs> it's been so exciting to watch uh, your podcast grow and and how you do your thing. And I was kind of excited about the announcement you shared the other day about expanding the reach of your podcast. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been exciting to watch you grow and to kind of grow together as friends. And so, yeah, I'm very excited to have you here.
2: Oh, yeah, me too. I have really loved becoming chummy with you. It's been fantastic <laughs> watching you grow too. And this podcast is amazing, and just seeing you grow as a musician and hearing your heart and soul in what you produce, I think that's what drew me to connect with you from the beginning was hearing your music and realizing, oh, this guy is ready to go deep. <laughs> we can talk. I want to talk to this guy. So, yeah, thank you for including me in this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, its uh, it's going to be a good talk. I'm very excited about this conversation we're about to have today. Uh, we're going to be talking with Leilani about the healing journey that she has been on. What she has is an autoimmune uh, hypothyroid condition. Uh, she'll explain what that means if you don't know uh, in just a moment. Uh, but we get to see this incredible experience of how her personal physical healing journey relates to the experience of her dreams and how her dreams are better informing this experience for her and helping her to relate to this condition on a whole nother level that goes from her personal experience of it to an ancestral experience of it and to also a collective experience of it. So it's going to be an amazing ride. Uh, So I guess to, to jump in here and to get started. Uh, What was like, uh, just to give everybody an idea of where you were at in your life when all of this kind of came about, Uh, because this hasn't been a lifelong situation for you, has it?
2: No, it hasn't. I, I have had lifelong health issues, but up until sometime in my teens, it was primarily asthma and some severe allergies. And then at some point, I don't really know when I developed this fatigue. And I, you know, have spent more than half my life now, you know, starting when I was 16, exploring all kinds of forms of healing and natural medicine, and mostly took that kind of holistic route and becoming as well as I could with food and herbs and Qigong practice and emotional healing and that whole realm of things. But when I was pregnant, with my second child, my thyroid levels were so low that I decided to take some thyroid medication because my naturopath was quite confident that it would be better for the baby. So I was all on okay. board with that. But I stopped taking them after that um, pregnancy and continued to deal with fatigue. And um, that's, the, that's been the hardest symptom for me all along was just fatigue that is different than tiredness fatigue that's like i can't go on my body won't let me do anything the rest of this day and at some point so the first dream we're going to talk about it's actually been close to four years now since i had that dream but i had it right after meeting with another naturopath someone i went to school with who studied chinese medicine as well and she was looking at my thyroid lab values and really encouraging me to take medication. That it was at a point where other systems of my body would be negatively impacted and I should consider you know, not giving up any of the other healing work I was doing but adding this hormone, the actual supplement of the hormone so that it would be in my bloodstream. Mm-hmm. But I had also just recently done a dream workshop with the Chinese medicine practitioner and Taoist priest, Jeffrey Wen, and he had said something that struck that deep, deep chord in me where he said, whenever there's autoimmunity, someone is having trouble dealing with some aspect of what's hidden. Something is hidden in the darkness. And I wish I could remember it exactly how he said it, but that was the gist. Uh And I thought, and so he continued to say, you know, we can use dreams to find that. So, I was opening up to that possibility. You know, can my dreams show me what's hidden and can I resolve it? You know, can I resolve this autoimmune issue, which Western biomedical science would say is a dysfunction of the immune system? And once that program is running wrong, you can't really change that. But I I knew that wasn't true because other people have changed that. And I've seen what we would think of as miraculous changes, you know, in many people's bodies that are, they are miraculous, but they're also not so out of the realm of possibility. You know, the body's amazing. So I just wasn't ready to take medication. And, and that's where I was at when I had this first dream.
1: Wow. And how long ago was that? The dream?
2: That was, that was coming up on four years ago now.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's, so wild and brave of you to not just go, okay, I'll just do whatever you tell me. Um, and I guess being kind of in that healing profession as well, being a practitioner of Chinese medicine, I suppose you probably have more, more ideas in your head as far as like, what is possible medicinally that, than I probably would.
2: (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm, steeped in stories of people finding other solutions. That's, you know, yeah. part of my daily life. So, yeah. And I should add, I wasn't suffering that badly. <laughs> if I had been yeah. suffering <laughs> in a more extreme way, I probably would have done it, but I was, it was livable. You know, I wasn't like bedridden by any, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that leads us up to the dream real nicely. Uh, if you want to go through and share that dream for us.
2: All right. So I had this dream on a backpacking trip with a dear friend out here in the Canyonlands. And this was the first time I'd been away and the first full night of sleep I'd had in years because I was away from my little kids and at home we live (laughs) in a year with no walls. So even when the kids would sleep, (laughs) you know, sleep till morning, there was a lot of sleep interruptions. So that context yeah. matters. Also, we were camping. Actually, this was a nap. We, were, we did camp here, but this was a daytime nap because it was raining. So I set up my little tarp and went to sleep in one of the most beautiful places I've ever been, a confluence of two rivers deep in this southern Utah canyon. Hmm. So um, it, was, it was a potent setting. And in the dream, I'm napping right there in my sleeping bag. The whole setting is the same. And I wake up and tell my friend, Wow, I keep thinking I might be done sleeping. And next thing I know, I'm waking up from falling asleep again. And then I'm waking up yet again, but I physically can't hold my eyes open. And then I wake up again, and there are people around. To my right, in this open, sandy area, there's a yurt that's been set up a really small, kind of maroon purple yurt. And my naturopath is outside the door. So my friend goes to talk to her about my thyroid and is letting her know that, you know, Leilani's going to look for the prescription from someone else, you know, that I haven't even started taking it yet because I wanted to try other techniques. So my friend, the naturopath is going inside the yurt and I'm taking a huge drink of water. She sort of acknowledges me and I wave back, but it's too late. And I I'm my face is so full of the water bottle that I like can't time saying hi. Right. And then she <laughs> goes in the door and then I'm inside the yurt and she's the naturopath friend has changed into someone younger um, and not someone I recognize from waking life anymore. She asks me if there's going to be condensation in the yurt. She's asking my advice. I say, well, yeah, if you're in a yurt and it's cold outside, you're going to have condensation unless you decide to let it be really cold in the yurt too. Then you won't have condensation, but I don't think you want to do that. And it's probably not going to be a, a problem because how long are you even going to have this yurt here? Cause I'm very aware of the setting, you know, and that this isn't a place where someone would live permanently. Um, and she says, well, I've had it for 10 years. And then I say, Oh, in that case, maybe mold growth would be an issue. And then someone is trying to do something on a computer, uh, elsewhere inside the yurt space. And I'm trying to help her. She's trying to change a program that is on the desktop. And I'm trying to read the instructions that explain how to change it. And it's very complicated. You have to press control alt, and then flip this little switch to on, and then press the thing that goes with that exact program. And I'm trying to do it with all my fingers, but I accidentally flip the switch to off. And realize that the illustration said on. So the whole thing shuts down. And then I just turn it back on. And I think, oh, that was easy. You can just turn it on and try again. (laughs) But at the same time, this woman is like messing with the keyboard, kind of pushing random keys. And I'm annoyed with her, but I'm trying to be polite because I don't really know her. And I'm like, excuse me, I'm I'm just going to pull this a little closer. Okay. You know, trying to like get the keyboard out out of her control. And then she's pushing one finger down on all the keys on the right side of the 10 key, which I recognized um on waking, she's pressing num lock. Come on. And I'm I'm just trying to say, What are you doing? and and pull it away from her, and she's annoyed and frustrated. And I know that I could change these programs. There's two of them. I know I could get rid of them. There are instructions, they're a little confusing. I would need to concentrate, I would need time, but I could clear up this computer. And then for a child who's now next to me where she was, my my knowing is that for a child, one more time, I will try to change this creature back. I'm gonna bring it back one more time. And now I'm at home outside my yurt, my family's yurt, and I'm holding hard like gripping hard onto a cylinder that's high up above my head and maybe it's the tail of this creature and in the other world this devil prince who's near his father is fighting back against me so hard they're they're above me this devil prince and his father it's very bright around them the father is maybe even above the sun or he's taller than the sun and it's all red and yellow and bright and the devil prince just doesn't want to change this time it's just that that intensity of his no no not this time he's fighting back and maybe he'll win and i don't know what's going to happen if he does maybe this is going to be the last time i can get him to change but i just keep holding on and it's taking all my strength and he's shaking and i'm determined to transform him into a unicorn again for this child. And then there's a burst of transformation, and he's there next to me and he's toothless, the little black dragon from How to, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. He's toothless and he's just shaking his head, kind of disoriented. And so I, I squat down and I say, Hey, bud, hey, bud. He blinks and looks at me, and he's happy to see me, and he comes over and licks me, and I feel this weight that he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't remember who he was before, who he is in the other world, and that he didn't want me to bring him here. Now he's just toothless, and he's my little buddy and my pet. That's the end of the dream.
1: Wow. (laughs) It's so nice (laughs) to actually hear you say it versus reading it. That's like, yeah, man it's it's there's so much there it really is like such a wild and and big dream it really is like not even just like a big dream for you but it's like a big dream it's very long
2: (laughs) it is a big dream yeah i didn't even give you all the details because there's so many um but yeah it was a big big dream and to have it during a nap and to have it begin in the exact place where i was you know and to have the wakings within the dream i Mm -hmm. feel like if there were all Cues, even like this matters. This dream is gonna be important.
1: Yeah, and that's that is really wild that it happened during during a nap. Because, man, for you to just go to sleep and go right into a dream like that is super intense. Yeah,
2: I mean, I was dang tired, (laughs) but it was like (laughs) it was like I felt like my dream maker, my deepest self, was like, finally, she's gonna lay down and rest. Like, there's no kids. It's raining. we can do this thing now yeah yeah right into it
1: all right that's funny it's like we gotcha (laughs) (laughs) so i guess looking at this dream uh the first part seems to be like so openly and obviously connecting you to your thyroid condition you know, we're, we're talking, it looks at the fatigue that you had mentioned earlier. It looks, mm-hmm. I mean, there's mentions of treatment options. Uh, you got the, yeah. your, your natural path is there in the dream. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if mold connects to it at all, but I could see maybe that being correlated. Uh, yeah. There's just like so many really cool things that are happening in that very initial scene that, from my outsider perspective, having really no real understanding as far as what this condition even means or like what it looks like or how it operates. Uh it it feels like it's it's talking quite literally to your situation. Is is that accurate?
2: Yeah, it definitely. I think I didn't do what you had suggested at the beginning and explain more about the condition, but um just to do that now, the hypothyroid means there's an underfunctioning of the thyroid. So there's a lack of this hormone that keeps our warmth like you have a low temperature when there's hypothyroid that gives us mm. energy and vitality and just awakeness um, and there tends to be well there can be other symptoms like hair loss uh, weight gain and generally that what we would describe in chinese medicine as cold and deficient type of symptoms hmm. so the sleepiness here and also the the explicit mention of cold and condensation and dampness and mold. I mean, people do in functional medicine and naturopathic medicine treat people for mold. But I also heard that on the symbolic level in Chinese medicine that I have an issue with the the balance between cold and heat, between inside and outside, and Mm. an issue of of dampness.
1: Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that's... And what a way for the dream to portray that. It's so perfect. And I mean you actually do live in a yurt?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or do I you mean, just no, have one. No, we live in a yurt. And okay, that's cool. <laughs> I it's funny to be reading this to be reading this dream years after having it. Our initial plan was not to live in that yurt permanently. So it's funny that in the dream I'm saying, "You're not going to be in this for long, are you?" And she's like, "Well, <laughs> I've been in here for ten years already, you know." And now I've been in—we've been in our yurt for over five years. So,
1: <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. What a what a perfect way for the dream to like see something in your life and to be able mm-hmm. to make that kind of metaphorical correlation between that whole situation of the hot and cold and yeah uh, that's god that's really cool yeah did all of that interaction in the initial part of that dream did that better inform you at all or was that just kind of telling you stuff that you already know
2: I think two two things about that part really did inform me one was actually the moment of taking this big drink of water so I can't really connect with my naturopath? And it was a little bit scary. Um, thank you for calling it brave. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but it was a little bit scary <laughs> to say no, I'm still not going to take the medication. I still am going to for a little bit longer, maybe like like the devil Prince like one more time, I'm gonna mm-hmm. dive into this feeling on a deep level and see if I can get through this without you know because once you take the medication there's some there's some effects on how your um, your whole, hormonal system response to the level of hormones in your bloodstream right so i didn't i wanted to yeah. try to resolve it before i walked down that road and her being there and having my friend the friend i was backpacking with is a healer and an herbalist and someone who's deeply connected to the natural world and healing with plants and the mystery of existence you know and to have her be my ambassador and say leilani's going to try something else for right now and then to be you know drinking this water and like hydrating and connecting with the waters of life and the waters of interconnection and it that is what blocks me from really connecting with her at that moment was encouraging actually like okay i i am busy with something else right now that means i don't have to do that thing right now hmm. um you know without any hostility it's not like i was rejecting her it was just like Right. That's not the relationship I need to um, pursue right now. So there was that. Um, And then the other thing was, you know, the sleepiness, just like (laughs) that need to sleep and that that thought, I keep thinking I'm done and then I'm not done. Um, (laughs) That influenced me from then on of like, I need rest. I don't just feel tired mm. because of some kind of dysfunction. I need to rest. Um, and that was affirmative and anchoring because I also don't want to rest. You know, I'm a mom yeah. of young kids and I have a lot of inspiration and drive. And like when I'm free, I want to go do amazing things, but I need to rest. <laughs> so, um, mm. yeah, like yeah, that's me. That sleepy self needs my, needs my attention. <laughs>
1: I guess uh, getting more sleep and being asked that of your dreams uh, helps with dreaming <laughs> at the very
0: for sure.
2: Yeah. And it's almost like there in the story. Cause there's multiple wakings and then the final waking within the dream is like, Oh look, people are here. And this whole thing unfolds. Like if I sleep long enough, I get to see what the dreams oh, really want to show me.
1: Wow. I like that. I also yeah. bringing it back to the, the gulping water real quick um right before I, we began this interview I was I was thinking about that scene and how kind of comical and intriguing it was uh that there was like this interesting miss that happened uh and mm-hmm. but the image of like gulping water just brought the whole everything right into the throat for me mm. and I was like huh it really just like I don't know. For me, it just zeroed me right in there because it, it felt like something like you wanted to say something or say hi. But there, the situation was zeroing in right there in your throat that there was I don't know if blockage would be the right word, but that there was like it just felt like there was like a like a tightness or like a there's like a mixture of swallow and wanting to speak. There's like a weird. uh <laughs> interesting wow. like interplay right there of two different functions
2: yeah oh my gosh Th- that's good that's good yeah thank you for that it's like the same um polarity that i'm feeling between the sleepy self and the devil prince self who's all action and power you know and the sleepy yeah. self in the rainy sand like trying to go two directions at once and that same thing mm. in the throat like trying to be nourished and take in and trying to express and, and let the voice come out and they can't, they can't actually both happen at the exact same moment. You gotta like, <laughs> you gotta do one and then the other.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I guess, uh, if we could move towards the computer interaction, cause I love this whole scene that happens because it, it feels so like metaphoric and
2: mm-hmm. I just
1: love like the, the relational aspect of you and that woman and yeah. you trying to do the right thing or like figure it out and take your time and she's just like slapping on the keys and just being like ah, ah, i'm frustrated <laughs> yep, and i'm just gonna it. just just work yeah it's kind of like what the feeling i got mm-hmm. and i think in your notes it when you just told it back it didn't sound like it was the naturopath but in your notes when I was reading it, it felt like that woman was the naturopath. Is that not correct?
2: Well, yeah, the woman kind of changes, you know, the, the naturopath goes in and then the person who's asking about the condensation seem it seems like she's become someone else, someone a little bit younger okay. who I don't recognize anymore. And then maybe that woman becomes the, the woman who's trying to do something on the computer that I go over to help. Okay. Yeah. If, so if, yes, if
1: you do relate the woman at the computer as the naturopath i just thought that was a really interesting because oh. like if she's if she's like a naturopath and she's just slapping at the keyboard
2: and <laughs> yeah. not
1: really trying to not able to figure it out or like even like oh come gosh, down right? to a level of like trying to work through it it seemed like with the admission earlier in the dream of you like trying to figure this out on your own it felt like it felt like it was laying that out pretty vividly for you to Yeah, like you follow your process. There are instructions, mm-hmm. you can do this. You just need the time. You just need yeah. the patience and to just go through the process and not get frustrated and all worked up and
2: <laughs> Yeah. I'm so glad you pointed that out. I mean I I have sat with this dream for a long time and shared it with multiple people and never made that connection that this woman, um, is some, some kind of, um, some form of that, that path. Like she's not the naturopath friend anymore, but she's, she's in that vein of how we would address this. And so her pressing numlock, which was not, was a realization on waking that wasn't, through analysis I wasn't like playing around with associations it was just I was thinking about the dream and her finger where that would be was numb lock and I thought oh wow you know as someone who's interested in what's you know hidden in the depths I'm like oh what's numb in me and what's locked away and
1: yeah what am I not to
2: feel But this, what you just said, just clicked was like, okay, when you, when you just give the hormone that's missing, it numbs the suffering, but it, it just locks that underlying disorder in.
1: Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That feels right. That feels right to me. Yeah. Holy cow.
2: Yeah. So so there is there's that that like and this is my dream so there must be a part of me that wants that too you know that just wants to be like numb it and walk it away let's just get this done i'm frustrated you know i definitely right, recognize yeah. the feeling
1: exactly yeah, it, yeah it's a very interesting uh, relational experience in the dream. Yeah. i could totally see how that it's probably definitely playing out in you. One one side of you is just like, yeah. just uh, just fix it, and just like, it
2: already, yeah. Oh.
1: And yeah, then the other part of you is just like, no, let's take the time. We can figure this out. We can do it. Let me pull the mm-hmm. keyboard back more. My side here, yeah. <laughs> and-
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like,
1: this is, I, That was so comical to me. I love that so much, especially the way you wrote it in the initial email you gave me was uh, you said, I'm getting a little frustrated with her, but I'm trying not to show it because she's a stranger. And I was just laughing yeah. so hard. like
2: <laughs> <laughs> You can imagine, right? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. 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 So, so that feels like a huge realization right there. I want to come back to it. I feel like carry that. Um, But the other thing that I, the other two things really that I got from that moment in the dream were there's two programs, it's not just one, like which the flip, uh, I mean, flip the switch from on to off or off to on it's, there's two things. And so that rings true. Like how I've spent this lifetime in this body with this, these different kinds of immune dysregulation. I mean, You can see um, having such severe food allergies that like if I eat a cashew, I could die as an immune dysregulation too, right? So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. is that the other program? There's also like you mentioned, you know, the individual and the ancestral and there's the collective. So without trying to, you know, make it translate exactly into something it yeah. feels important that there's two programs. It's not just one thing. I'm I'm looking to um, what did I call it? To clear up, you know, one program I'm looking to clear up, and there's more than one. And that, I mean, that's just true to how, to how I experience life. You know, is that we're always experiencing things on the individual and the co- collective levels.
1: Yeah, that's just as you were saying. That I had like a, this ping happen, and I was gonna ask you that like, are the two programs? Is that like the the personal level and like the ancestral collective level? So that's really cool that you already have that idea. Because yeah, yeah, the whole idea to me of like removing or changing a program on a computer is like feels like internal programming of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. it's I mean it's so amazing that you have the piece inherent within the dream where you understand that you have instructions they may be very confusing and hard to understand but you do have them and that's like to me that's so encouraging to have a dream that offers you that little bit because it didn't need to but the fact that it did Mm -hmm. gives gives somebody like such reassurance that oh it's almost like that it's almost like being given like an inspirational like nod being like you got this like that to me feels like such like a a great part of that dream to be very empowering and like a probably what feels like a pretty disempowering situation
2: yeah um i like that read that it's empowering and inspiring because i i felt actually the weight of the i need time piece of it Mm, because i'm at that point, four years ago, felt like, I mean, there just was not enough time to take care of myself um, and my home and my clinic and my family, like time was not, I, I'm like, <laughs> I need to what to you know? Um, I, yeah. And this dream and my process around these three dreams is one of the reasons I have so much more time now. It really is. Like partly I have time because my kids are a lot bigger and that makes a huge difference. Yep. Um, but also, after I worked this dream with Melissa Grace, who's a wonderful dream worker. I don't know if you know her. She's my, she was episode one on my podcast. But I worked this dream with her, and she um, she really helped me recognize that cry from within the dream. That, like, I need to rest, and I need time. There are instructions, and I can do it but I need time. And that's not like the instructions aren't laid out for me, Mm -hmm. which is much easier for me. My personality is like, give me the steps and I'll do them. But the step is to go have time (laughs) and, and like see what happens (laughs) and let rest occur, you know? Um, And I mean, that's been the biggest transformation of my life, honestly, in the, well, not maybe of my whole life, but of my recent life is to, deeply embrace that, that I need time and space. And that's what lets me be so well and so happy and so taken care of that I, that my time and my energy overflow for my kids and for my patients. Um, It's like a major paradigm shift, you know, of, you know, trying to serve people by like tipping my glass over and giving them every last drop or serve people because, my
1: glass is overflowing, and that <laughs> time, you know. Yeah, I've been uh, definitely handed dreams that tell me oh, it's not quite time yet for something that I really want to do, and so I I know exactly like being given that kind of a notion in a dream just. I know how that can like just make you go a little crazy inside being like, but I don't I really don't have the time to wait. Yeah. Like I need this.
2: <laughs> wait, wait, wait it now, is... Right? Time is in now. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know, right? I'm ready. Yeah. I think I'm ready. And the dream's like, eh.
2: Yeah.
1: Like one I'm one yeah. I'm thinking of right now is uh Right before like my music came back online, I wasn't working and I had all this time on my hands and I was like, come on, like, this is a, the perfect time for me to be creative. It doesn't make any sense that I'm not feeling like that uprising of inspiration happening. And I started like totally panicking because I felt like I was just drifting away and I had a dream that I was at a basketball game and I. My father was the coach, which was true to my childhood for most of most of me growing up. And he I I was like begging him to put me in the game, like put me in the game, put me in the game. And he goes, no, you need to sit down and you need to wait your turn. And I got really upset about it. But then I looked down and I realized I was in street clothes like I had jeans on and like regular shoes on and I was not dressed for the part at all. And it, it gave me like this amazing image to go off that I'm not ready for the game yet. Like yeah. I need to get myself ready and I need to be prepared and ready when that moment comes for me to get called into the game. So that like helped me slow down and be like, all right, what do I have to do to be ready? And so that was kind of like frustrating in one sense, but it was helpful that I was given that notion so that I could work with it. Um yeah.
2: Yeah. And and the experience of the frustration in the in the part that wants to get in the game and also the knowing of the person saying, no, you need to sit down like yeah. that. There's both, <laughs> you know, I, I yeah, know, absolutely. I know, I yet. you know, but I also yeah, know you, you see that in your
1: dream also. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Oh, just the, the clothing piece of it feels like I know what it would look like to be ready. Like I will have a visible sign. I yeah. don't know. I know what it, that I'll be dressed for it when it's time.
1: Right. Yeah. And I guess for me personally, just to, just to answer that for you. Um, yeah. Like like six, seven months later is when I had this big death experience happen. And after I came out of the death experience, my dreams started offering me inspiration to write music. And so that was like what I was waiting for. And I had to go through that super hard experience to, to be broken wide open in such a way that the music that would come forth out of me would be of this certain quality or nature or depth. And, and so, yeah, I was like, I wasn't ready to write music at that point because I hadn't been sufficiently broken wide open and as soon as that all happened like and the dream started inspiring it inspiring it it was like yeah okay now i'm ready now i've been through the experience that i needed to to get to where i needed to be and now now the game's on so yeah so pretty cool and you can kind of see that in your dream also where it's like the same interaction like me wanting to get in the game is like the woman just wanting it over and just mm-hmm. slapping keys and you're like mm-hmm. my dad being like whoa 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 let's slow down here like there's a process here and we can follow the process and you yeah know, so that's kind of cool that you're yeah. like the wisely you know sagely character in the dream who was like and i and the, I, it probably didn't really probably didn't really help in the moment having the dream that you were the one who was like i just need time But I I bet looking back on it, it probably is like, yeah, yeah, I knew, (laughs) I knew that I needed to follow this certain path and to find my own way. And I'm sure that's pretty reaffirming for you now, at least.
2: Definitely. I mean, at the time there was this, like, feeling like a victim was built into the idea that I need time. Like that was a cruel instruction. Like you need time. I'm like, but that's like not an option, you know, which it probably was (laughs) only. I didn't see that it was, but now I really see it and I really prioritize it and it's true, you know, it's, it's time. And it's also, it's the rivers and the canyons and the trees and being with a friend and laying on the earth. It's like those kinds of things are on a different rhythm and a different time scale um, than Slapping a bunch of keys and trying to read the instructions—it's like that. I need that kind of time, you know. That's that's where mysterious things happen, you know. And and it took year me a few years past this dream to absorb that message from it. But it's fun to talk to you about it from a time that feels so different.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because you can look at having time as like having time to like. You know, reintroduce yourself back to your body and your bodily rhythms and just the experience of being alive and living. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like yeah. knowing, knowing enough about you that I know, I feel like that's probably, that, that would be looked at as medicine, right? <laughs> sure,
2: yes, that would be medicine. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a course correction, I would think. Just Mm -hmm. to slow down and yeah well i'm sure we could riff on this for a a lot longer um (laughs) uh so i guess to move into the devil prince part because this part is it just like ramps the dream up from being pretty i don't i wouldn't say ordinary but (laughs) and -hmm. then all of a sudden gets crazy mythic and uh supernatural all of a sudden just out of nowhere and yeah so before i say too much like how do you how do you relate to the devil prince like what does he hold for you or or, uh, like what is that whole experience of trying to wrangle him back
2: Mm -hmm. i mean the most important thing to me about that part of the dream is the intensity of the young energy everything about it was like ultimate young it was red and yellow (laughs) bright it's a dad and a son the dad like bigger than the sun, you know, they're up high above me. Um, it was just so much young energy. And that is what you don't have if you're cold and your hair is falling out and you want to go to sleep all the time, you know? So I was like, um, this wrestling and, I mean, there's, there's a lot to that really. There's, there's the the feeling of betrayal that I, that I betray him by pulling him back down that I've wronged mm. him in some way. Um, and there's his resistance to it, like that he fights so hard against it. You know, what is this fight that I'm in to get young energy? And what is it that I'm turning it into a unicorn? And why is that for a child? You know, there's like this, it's, there's the pure young of it. And then there's this confused relationship with it.
1: Yeah.
2: But one thing that I, that touched me really deeply when I worked this dream with Melissa was just power. Like those figures up there in the sky are incredibly powerful. And so thinking about my immune system, like the raw explosive power, of my immune system, you know, I mentioned like the anaphylaxis. I mean, if I were to eat a cashew and have such an immune explosion that it actually ended my life, like that is a scale of immune power that's, uh, you know, so impressive and so misdirected, <laughs> you know, Yeah, it's like,
1: absolutely. Wow. That's yeah. like a really interesting correlation. Wow.
2: Yeah. So it was like, wow, if I could start to see my immune system as immensely powerful, and not resent the power of it just because it's misdirected. Like, yeah, when it's misdirected, it's causing me a lot of trouble. But just for a minute to be like, wow, it's powerful um, was one thing. And then also Toothless. I mean, I don't know if you know those movies, but I love Toothless. I, he's He appears toothless, but actually his teeth are retractable and he's in control of that. Wow. He's really small. We haven't met in person, but. I'm very small. (laughs) I'm the smallest adult in any room by far. (laughs) Um, And he uses the power of his mind. Like when he takes on leadership, it's, it's because of the power of his mind. And so I'm like, yeah, I love, you know, toothless that I relate to you, you know, but also toothless, it has been wrestled down from what feels like his real identity. and. So there's, I don't have, I don't have like my big takeaway, you know, and the action that I took in life because of this part of the dream, but that relationship and those connections feel like important and alive.
1: Wow. That's really interesting. Especially the way you just talked about Tuzlas being able to retract his teeth and he has control over it. It feels like that piece like really connects with what we'll be talking about where the autoimmune condition uh, relates ancestrally for you. So I want to come yeah. back to that. I just wanted to mention that I, I have not seen those movies, but...
2: Oh, okay. Well, sorry for the spoiler. He has teeth.
1: No, that's fine. <laughs> um, I had this really interesting correlation with that, just knowing the name of the movie. And, I mean, you said it might be his tail. Does the Devil Prince have a tail? Yeah, You got this raw like devil prince energy and you're able to transform it into this uh, kind of, I don't know much about him, but in the dream, he seems kind of very nurturing and and loving this, this dragon. And for the movie to be called How to Train Your Dragon, it feels like if your young energy is misdirected right now, that learning how to tame that dragon or to redirect its energy in a way that's nurturing for you or life sustaining that's like such a cool correlation i don't know how you feel about that is that right
2: yeah i like that i like that a lot that's (laughs) um it's and it connects with the the third dream with the martial arts school that i shared with you where there's a training to this like the the raw power is it, it needs to be um directed and trained and um harnessed i guess to use some imagery from that that other like and um i mean toothless is very puppy like they make him very puppy like and he that's how he is in this dream um so i don't know there's some there's some really sad griefy piece to that too though that this devil prince becomes so puppy like like that's not who he is
1: you know, right and, and if he remembers who he is is he going to hate you for it later yeah. <laughs> that's like the feeling I got <laughs> about it was like somebody not remembering something and then all of a sudden coming to full realization of who they really are and yep. then feeling like you've lied to them their whole life so yeah, yeah it's an it. interesting uh, relational aspect to this for you um, yeah. hmm. I guess we'll have to see how that plays out for you yeah <laughs> Because maybe maybe that's maybe that little hint in there for you is to, is as you're doing this to to still respect the raw power that it could have and mm. to to maybe see th- this is like the the thing about dreams that always like perplexes the heck out of me. It's like okay, well, how do how do I? <laughs> There's always a dilemma <laughs> with situations like this where it's like. Okay, well, I see the relationship here, but how do I inform that part of me that is uninformed right now? Mm-hmm. And how do, I, how do I create a relationship around this whole experience where, you know, he doesn't have to learn secondhand that he has this raw power inside of him? How can I cultivate that in a way that Toothless is is more informed or... It just creates this whole dilemma and there's no real good answers as far as, like, how you actually do that. The dream kind of just gives you it and leaves you there to figure it out on your own.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. That's a really good question, though. Yeah, Yeah,
1: because those are kind of the things in dreams that I feel like, even with interpretation, you can never fully pinpoint.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just, maybe in hindsight, later on, you can look back and be like, all right, well, this is the journey that's happened that allowed me to do that but immediately looking at the dream even a few years in it's kind of like "Hmm, (laughs) what do I do with that
2: yeah but I I mean I love what you just said that feels really helpful actually like how you know in regular waking human life I've recently gotten better at just being direct about difficult topics with people you know, just being like, Mm -hmm. so I feel weird about this thing and let's talk about it, you know? And, and there's that feeling with Toothless of like, okay, I feel really weird and sorry that I did this to you. But like, like you named afraid that he's going to hate me if he realizes, but actually what I'm ready for is to communicate that to him. Like, so it's not secondhand and it's not even more confused and, I don't know. That
1: feels really helpful, what you just said. So. Uh yeah, so that's really interesting that you had brought up the how that relates to the end of the the third dream you shared with me. Cause that was definitely mm-hmm. a correlation that I saw too. Um, so yeah. I think that'll be a good way to move into that dream, I think. So if you want to share that dream with us, we'll take a look at that. Yeah, one.
2: Sure. Okay. Um, so I'm at a friend's house, an old friend who has a daughter, the same age as mine. So I'm there with him and our two daughters and he's about to leave. So, um, oh, I, I'll tell you the, the title of this dream too, is called the first sword draw. Um, so I'm I'm at his house and he's about to leave and I'm asking him about when I leave. What do I do with the key after I lock the door? Do I leave it outside or what? And there's a key in the middle of the floor. It's actually the same color as the yurt in the um, Death Print Stream. It's like a maroon key lying in the middle of the floor among all the toys uh, on some kind of unrolled carpet. And I ask if I should just leave that one lying there. I look to the right, there's these kind of fancy dark brown doors, sort of Japanese inspired in their style, um, French doors, the two, the two doors that open. And there's a, a door on the left with a, a key that's sitting in the lock. And I'm trying to tell, is that a turnkey built in the door? And still trying to figure out the key situation, but the door is shaking. Aching rhythmically and repeatedly, and someone outside is trying to get in. So I point this out to my friend, and he just goes over and unlocks the door, thinking it's probably someone that they know, and someone who should be allowed to come in. So, this man jumps in, and he has a knife and another small, round um, metal weapon. And he kind of comes in hunched, crouched, and with his back hunched, and he's looking around like ready. He's in this ready posture. He has a red long sleeve shirt and I see him as a ninja and a thug and I'm scared of him so I freeze for a second and I feel like we're helpless we're going to be overpowered but then I see Vince um, our martial arts teacher I see Vince in the training room where he was teaching and it turns out that we're we're in the middle of a martial arts school and I'm like wow this guy this guy broke into a martial arts school that's pretty strange um so so vince is there teaching and everyone's supposed to be getting down to the ground showing that they're submitting and vince hunches over and gestures his hands over the um bent back of the student he was working with like he's urging him down to the floor and he's about to kneel down himself and I love this part of the dream because Vince is so himself. He's fully embodied. It's just how he moved in life. And he was an incredibly powerful man. And, you know, uh, I'm going off the dream, but just I just wish I could paint this picture for you of what it was like to see him move. So then he he he's leaning over this student, and then he throws out a thick metal chain all the way across the room with so much speed and skill and it wraps the guy the, the guy who broke, or not broke in but was going to break in, wraps him up in the chain wraps up his gun because now apparently he has a gun, and disarms him and I'm so relieved and so impressed and happy and kind of vindicated, like yeah, you know he couldn't take us And and I'm feeling like, <laughs> of course Vince can do that of course, of course Vince can take a chain from across the room, whip it over, wrap the guy's legs, wrap the gun like, of course, you know. And now it's three guys who have broken in, and they're all dressed in black now. And he makes them all kneel. And they kneel on the floor but kind of lazy with their legs sticking out and flopped over, and he makes them sit up on their knees respectfully before their own master. And now I'm confused. He wants to train these bad guys into better martial artists. Like, why would he do this? Why would he go right into helping them? And they sit in, in their respectful kneel. And then someone draws a sword from their belt. And it's a short, gold, broad sword that looks almost lacy in the light. And now I'm watching the last scene of a movie, and it freezes on the, with the sword partly drawn. And the title shows up in gold letters the first form sword draw and i understand that this is the first movie in a series which is going to give a story to each of the forms that we're training end of train
1: wow that's so cool i love this dream so much (laughs) yeah it's got like suspense and Uh, yeah (laughs) all kinds of like great energy in it like there's i don't know there's There was something that just creeped into me when I read it that was, like, the suspense of the door jiggling and the fear of what Uh to do with the key. And then the guy just lets him in and everyone freezes. And that, like, I've had quite a few dreams of my own that there was, like, issues with doors being locked or not being locked. Yeah. And people breaking in. So that just... It irks something in me <laughs> anytime I, mm-hmm. I hear mm-hmm. dreams like that. So, uh, yeah, so to begin with this dream, something that happened when you were just retelling the dream that I think I misread your write-up of the dream, the key itself was that maroon color, the purplish color, or was the carpet in the room?
2: Yes, I see why you would have read it that way. But, yeah, it was the key that, that was that was the maroon color.
1: Wow, that makes so much of a difference in my brain about that wow um
2: yeah yeah
1: because is that a connect that is a connection back to the other dream correct
2: definitely and it's of all the hundreds of dreams i've had since that devil prince dream it was the color of the key that made that flagged this i'm like oh we're in that story (laughs) again we're we're talking about this theme
1: yeah that's really wild um i guess before i ask anything more about that aspect of this dream uh What does that color mean for you? Because I know I've listened to an episode on your own podcast where you talk about colors and dreams. So Mm -hmm. uh, how did this purplish maroon color kind of inform you of anything?
2: So I didn't actually think about it very intellectually and symbolically about everything I usually say about color. Um, Although I can see where it's connected. I mean, it's a it's a blend of red and blue. And so the heart and kidney energy which feels really connected to the the, the heart kidney. We call it the heart kidney axis in Chinese medicine. And the kidneys are water and rest and stillness, midnight, winter, you know, and the, the heart is summer, fire, creative expression, connection, um, you know, big up and out energy. So that axis mm is something that they need they each other, you know, in the body. It's a it's a above and below axis. So I never thought about it, but that maroon is the blending and the connecting of those two poles that we've been talking about. Um, but the interesting thing about this color is there's a shade of kind of purplish maroon that I love. It's what you see on my websites. But this... Okay this key and this yurt are like an ugly, disgusting version of that color. I'm like, (laughs) I want to love that color, but I hate it.
1: (laughs) That's interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They're like a little bit too Brown. And I don't know, I'd have to search one of those boxes of colored pencils that has a lot of choices to find it for you. But just the fact that it's so close to something I love, except it's gross, (laughs) feels important. (laughs) It's like that that blend, you know, is just mi- not quite mixed the way that feels good, you know.
1: Wow. And, wow, I like that. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah, so, it wow, that's such a cool correlation. Seeking that perfect balance that would give you the color that you want. Yep. Wow, this is, like, really cool. So maybe they're, they're not in balance, which is, I guess, is being conveyed pretty clearly throughout your dreams with the situation yeah um, yeah so yeah wow that's so cool that's really really cool so i guess if this key relates back to the same color yurt i wonder how, how you feel about um i mean i just love the image of a key and mm-hmm. since it's in connection to the other dream like that there's some truth within this dream that is the key that either unlocks the insight or the knowledge of how you handle this situation or how you, Yeah. it's like, I don't know. I I think I'm losing my words a little bit, but
2: I, I feel like there being a key says, or maybe teases that there's going to be like the key in this dream. But (laughs) what I started to feel as I was working this dream um, is that kind of like the, uh devil prince dream there's all this like intense thinking about the keys do i leave the key do i put it outside here's one do i leave that there is that turnkey built into the door there's all this like Mm. trying to figure it out to the key thing like there is with the computer and the programming and just like i just need to concentrate if i could just follow every single step right then i would do it and then both of these dreams burst into something so much more like mythic, like you called it, you know, and and this this dream even freezes the frame, you know, um, that it's going to be storytelling of these legends, you know, the legends of the forms that we now enact. So that's such a beautiful image to me, this like lacy gold broadsword. I mean, back to power and strength, but also just the delicacy of that and the beauty of it. And my own relationship to martial arts being more about um, my sense of capacity and knowing that I can have these boundaries and lock the doors if I need to. Um, But really, those mean so much to me because I'm so gentle and so loving. And people take advantage of that if if you don't have a golden broadsword in your belt (laughs) you know and yeah i can relate to that yeah so yeah i don't know i just went a lot of directions at once but i feel like one of the hints of the dream was because because i've had a recurring theme of doors that should be locked but aren't locked or i think it's locked but it wasn't fully closed so the lock didn't do any good or i mean just so many um little gaps in the wall So the dream was like, you could think a lot about that or you could come over here to the Vince qualities and the kneeling respectfully and the legends and the stories that shaped what you're doing now and the beauty of being, of having warrior training, but then having your, your, instrument you know the the golden broadsword be like so lacy and beautiful and you know metal quality is also about music you know it's about radiance and and sound and light and I worked this dream with Melissa too this was a series that I brought to her and she was talking about letting the like a a, the peaceful warrior who responds to the world with song and beauty and the, the voices of my ancestors coming out in music instead of in autoimmune dysfunction. And wow. I, I'm, I'm not doing this in a very linear way, but that's all kind of what <laughs> comes into the, into the field for me with that, that um, moving from the key to the beginning of a movie.
1: Yeah, for sure. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I love the the idea of like, I mean, the image of samurai came to mind just to, with mm-hmm. their their intense skill and their ability to do what needs to be done, but also to have such a grace about it, and to have such a connection with the earth and their sword, and just have it be such a spiritual experience to to show up in that warrior capacity of of walking that line between life and death and honoring the full intensity of, of all of that is just like
2: mm-hmm.
1: such an incredible image to be given. And so the, the actual, like the name of the movie that they played at the end, that's an actual like lineage of martial arts or I, I, don't, I don't know the words.
2: No, <laughs> no, this is, this was dream world. <laughs> dream world only. So that
1: was like, that was just a, like a phrase that it gave you.
2: Yeah, yeah, in gold letters, even the first. So form that's
1: your sword. own personal phrase. Hmm. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And especially in your notes, you had said that there would be more trainings to come. Isn't that? Isn't that correct? So this was like the first in a series.
2: More movies. Yeah, yeah, right. That there's a series of forms. I mean, that's true to life and martial arts. Um, but that there's a series of forms. And so this was like, there's going to be a movie about each form because each form apparently has a legend, a story, an origin story to go with it. And this is the first one.
1: Wow. Very cool. So I just had like this image of like the way you just said that origin story of like, if you were able to find a way to, to kind of, how do you say this? Uh to kind of wrestle in that Yang energy and you be its master and not have it be so explosive and misdirected in you that it could kill you <laughs> if you eat the wrong thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that if you were able to channel Vince and to do that within yourself, that maybe that's like your origin story of this new path of yours coming online of, I don't know if that resonates, but that was just like an image that came to mind when you said that it just like shot open in my head of being like, this is like, a new path for you or like a new beginning of you relating to yeah. yourself and to this whole thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, um, I said to Melissa, man, I would love to have an inner Vince. And you know, she's like, well, you do, you know, he's in the dream. And, <laughs> and I, like, I usually do think of that as being like, if you dream it, then it's within you. But I, I don't feel like, like yeah, I got my inner Vince. I mean, that man was, was, um, uh, gosh, I won't even try. But I, <laughs> there is, <laughs> there is a, there is some part of me that's like looking to relate to a lot of what was um, what I valued so much about Vince. You know, it's and and the, I mean, it's that theme of, like you said, explosive power and and um, channeling it. Um, the theme of a door, a lock that doesn't hold and somebody invades, like that's familiar. That's me in my vulnerability. But Vince being like, not only, you know, totally not threatened by this little dude who jumps in, you know, with his little knife and his little gun, like whatever, Vince has a chain. So we're, we're good. Um, <laughs> Vince is not threatened by that, but Also that he's, he's not just trying to um, defend us. He sees the potential of this guy who becomes three guys and just right away goes into teaching and cultivating, cultivating these men into the martial artists that he sees they can become. And isn't concerned with what I'm concerned with in the dream, which is like, no, these are bad guys. You don't want to make bad guys more effective. Um, And I think he doesn't, he doesn't think that they'll be bad anymore. Like that, that was a part of their, um, you know, not being honed yet. And that feels like, I don't know how, or if that's happening inside of me, but maybe like you say, it's like just beginning, like this is the beginning. This is the most recent dream. You know, this is the the start of something transforming in those in those ways
1: yeah because how long ago was this dream
2: um you know less than a year but more than a few months I, i'd have to go back and check but um just m- the other two dreams are like two and four years back this one's in the past year
1: wow very cool yeah yeah it's just uh it seems like base. i mean it- how to Train Your Dragon, it seems like this is another like layer of that, um, of of being shown how you take something that's completely undisciplined, that's misdirected, has incredible potential to serve you, and shows you with someone more personal to you, kind of what that looks like and what that relational experience looks like for you to I loved like the, the whole surrender and submitting part in this dream. Also Mm -hmm. of, uh, the act of kneeling where, you know, he was coaching and teaching people to move themselves into that position. And he also makes the bad guys do the same thing. And so there's this like beautiful notion of like, both sides kneeling, seeing each other, respecting each other, working with each other, and ultimately both sides being kind of transformed and in healthier, better relationship with each other. Yeah. I just think that's like such a, that's really cool. I mean, you go from this very mythic portrayal of it uh, with the devil prince, and then you get this other more realistic layer of what that looks like. I think that's really cool. Really, really cool. Mm.
2: Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That like becoming toothless and his version of power, um, is similar to what's going to happen for these guys. as they as they learn to kneel and have discipline. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and to serve you and your health and to not, uh, Run so amok. or mm-hmm. right <laughs> be yeah, i mean be so life threatening because <laughs> it was they he, they were life threatening, and he broke in right. was wheeling his sword, right. and you froze right. in fear, and yeah there's mm-hmm. he had the red color on him again, just like in the devil prince dream, and
2: yeah, right, right, yep,
1: it's so wild how many layers are so like interwoven between these two dreams, it's really, really wild.
2: Mhm. Yeah, they are very very much part of the same story. Yeah.
1: So is there anything else you want to add to that that dream in particular?
2: No, I think we can leave it there. Yeah, there's there's always more, but I think that's <laughs> that's complete. Yeah. Okay.
1: Cuz so I think I have a pretty a pretty neat way to move us into the second one. Okay. Um, All right. So in working with your dreams and trying to find a direction for us to take this narrative of yours, um, looking at the devil prince dream in relation to how your second dream you offered me, there was like a really interesting relation that I came across. So like I kind of hinted at earlier, asking you if the devil prince had a tail so he was more dragon like. Mm -hmm. When the devil prince becomes the dragon, he's still the prince inside of him. So he's the dragon prince now, which relates oh my to gosh. Rayla <laughs> showing up in your next dream.
2: Oh, that's good.
1: <laughs> oh, man. And so <laughs> oh, I was hoping that would land so good for you.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you didn't tell me that ahead of time. That was good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was partially why before we began, I was asking Leilani how we could organize this because I, I didn't want to just come outright with that. I wanted to try to find a way that we could say that. And hopefully, that wouldn't land. But I was like, "But if it doesn't land, then it's going to be kind of a weird,
2: <laughs> a, a weird <laughs> yeah. little
1: thing I try to do." And so, anyways. Um,
2: <laughs> nope, I got gotcha. you. That landed. For sure. Awesome.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, oh, man, it's like such a cool. I mean, that alone is like why I love dreams so much because there's, I mean, these dreams are so tightly woven to each other. It's just so wild, like how many layers and weaves there are of like how these dreams all relate to each other.
2: Very, mm-hmm. very cool. It's so cool.
1: And so in in asking you to share this second dream, I just want to tell everybody uh, this second dream we move more into the ancestral aspects of how this condition it's kind of like the the deeper octave of her personal journey with this uh, thyroid condition um so it it's we're about to go into a whole nother layer of what this means for her and it's it's very very cool stuff so yeah, if you want to share kind of the lead up to this dream and anything you want to talk about it to preface it before you share a poem that relates to it. Uh, and yeah, feel free to take it from here.
2: So this is the dream that I incubated after hearing Jeffrey Yuen say, what I shared at the beginning about autoimmunity and the hidden. Um, I think the timelines blurred and, Curled on each other in my mind, but that first dream (laughs) with Devil, devil prince was before I'd heard him say that phrase. Although that was, you know, my mindset was how can I heal this on the deeper level? But I'd actually, when I had this dream, I had been in that workshop with him and he'd said that. So I incubated this dream and I asked what aspect, I guess it was the darkness. I said, what aspect of the darkness am I having trouble dealing with? And I had this epic dream that I shared with a dream group and it took me 20 minutes just to say the dream. So, and so it was an epic dream um, that I titled ancestral. It felt so clearly tied to both sides of my ancestry through location, through references to names, um, to foods. It was, it was both sides of my ancestry and it was honing in on this issue around hiding, and also, you know, the persecution, you know, the the story within humanity's history of groups, you know, othering other groups of people and persecution and that type of um, hatred and violence. And the Dragon Prince reference is to, so that's a Netflix series that Steve and I both love. And there's a, mm-hmm. a character in that show called Rayla and Rayla is a moon shadow elf. And she is an incredible warrior. Super cool. She runs around with two blades in her hands and she's trained as an assassin, but she can't kill. So she ends up on this epic mission of um, peacemaking. And so, I mean, that's, you probably hear it already, but that connection to what I was saying about, you know, being trained as a martial artist, but at heart, you know, being, being a peacemaker. And yeah, so Rayla's in this dream and there's a, there's a moment in the dream where I'm worried about her for a second. And then I remember, oh no, no, she's Rayla. Like, I don't have to worry about her. <laughs> kind of like in the, in the other dream where it's like, ninja thug with a knife and a gun. Vince is in the building. Like, what what are we worried about? You know? Um, Yeah. yeah. So.
1: And also a toothless, the fact that he can, the fact that he can retract his teeth and also use them if he needs them is kind of in the same vein too, I would think.
2: Yeah, I think so. And you know that, Oh, Man, I was about to give you another spoiler. I'm not going to do it, but there's another thing in How to Train Your Dragon that just hit me. I'll tell you later after you watch all three movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, definitely there is that connection. So this dream, this epic dream, I sat with in multiple ways over a couple of years, and finally it um, gave birth to this poem. And I want to read the poem rather than the dream to to share the message that I take from it and the the sense of conviction that I have from this dream about what what really is healing and resolving through me in in this autoimmune process. So this poem is called In the Time of Choice. I'm opting out of humanity's autoimmune disease. I will not hate anyone. Unsubscribe me. Uninstall. Permission to access my location? Denied. Not forgotten, those close-built courtyards. Red roses climbing black iron gates. Ancestors who fled. Unseen, even in yellow. Who clenched their sons in tight fists. Little legs dangling. Who barged in bold and didn't come out again. You may want me dead, crouched, cowering, gone. I may have let your wish make a home in my throat, and I may have almost blamed you. No more. It's now. Now it's create a filter, flag as spam. If you still slip through, if you lunge in malice, don't mistake yourself on the ground, my two exquisite blades over your face. For a sign that I wish you any harm. I won't allow ill will, not even indifference. I cradle those bitter seeds in dry sand and divert all water toward pumpkins. I wish for you only what I wish my own babies. To be so cherished your skin glows. To be so alive, your soul set singing that you can't but let life's love of life have its way with you. I wish you forgiveness from your people. May you cut away the rotten bits, bake the rest to sweetness, and share a meal, feet in the dirt, encircled by those who love you as much as they did the day they counted your tiny, perfect toes. Location pinned. Rerouting.
1: Wow, thank you for that. Thank you. That was beautiful.
2: Thank you for listening. I didn't say one piece about the dream that I feel like I should add, which is that it was set in another time, but there's a moment in the dream where my present day consciousness jumps in and gets really concerned about the apps on my phone and the possibility of being tracked. And so the, that piece and that you know interweaving of this time that we're in right now, which I call the time of choice, where we can choose to do this totally differently, um, is why it feels like one story. You know, to be in this older time and also this time where we we're a lot of our relating to peoples who we consider to be like us and different from us is happening through the technological interface so yeah that yeah. was a big part of the the um, poem and the dream the dream's gift
1: yeah and i when we had talked briefly before i would mentioned that it it seemed like uh all of the imagery in the poem about computers and programming and that kind of thing related back to that first dream of yours mm-hmm. and so <laughs> that was a. Uh, That's like another way that those two dreams kind of kind of tie into each other. It's really, really cool. So I want you to be the one to say this. Uh, You spell it out in the poem, but I, in case somebody missed it, Mm -hmm. uh, what do you believe the deeper octave of this autoimmune disorder is or condition is on an ancestral slash collective level.
2: Yeah. So the understanding that has come to me through this dream is that hatred among people is an autoimmune disease of humanity. That in the body of humanity, when we label others as enemy and gather strength against another group of the human body, the humanity body, but that's an autoimmune disease and we're destroying ourselves. And there's there's this interior level on which that's happening in millions of people, an increasing number of individual human bodies where, you know, autoimmune disease is on the rise and the immune system, that that immense power within us is being turned on. What, in a state of balance, we would recognize as ourselves. Yeah. so I feel I feel like on my personal interior body, inside this skin, that um, the need to hide and being hated and persecuted in my ancestral story has made this home um, in my throat and in the throat of the in the thyroid, within the throat. other people in my family um, you know because of that that story and that that disorder (laughs) playing out in humanity and I feel that the choice not to participate in that takes some fierce determination because I recognize all the ways that um, you know Language, people's language, or the way way news stories are shared, or just deeply held beliefs that show up in um, all types of media. Let's say, like that there could be the and and individual conversations. You know, in my local community, like that there could be this pull for me to slip into othering somebody and like participating Mm -hmm. in this in this autoimmune problem that humanity has and so it it actually takes some some ferocity and some some determination to say no I will not hate anyone I will not play the us and them game and even if I have to protect myself or protect someone else and you know pull out my Rayla nature um, (laughs) I won't kill and I won't hate and I won't actually wish someone ill will I won't actually hold ill will you know Um, yeah but i'll (laughs) i still might scare the hell out of you if i if i go rayla (laughs)
1: Rayla you you
2: (laughs) might you might mistake it so let's be clear um yeah 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 that's that's the deeper
1: like a profound truth that's it's beautiful thank you for sharing all of that that's that's so huge and kind of going back to what the, the notion that caused you to incubate this, I mean you can see you can see so clearly that hatred and racism and uh, all of all of those like fear fear based like ways that people hate each other and kill each other over it's all because there's there's a disconnect or there's like a missing piece where they're still in the dark about that they're not willing to go into. To even, I don't even know if it's to even face themselves, but to at least like to to branch out and to try to connect with people who are different than you and mm-hmm. to see a common humanity there and just mm-hmm. blind hate because people are different from you. is <laughs> like, you're not doing any work to go into your own self to, to see that people other than yourself or who look like you are actual people themselves. It's it's it seems so ridiculous that at this point we even have to have these conversations. And I applaud you for the fact that even given your ancestral past that you're choosing not to hate, that you're choosing not to to use that ancestral anger or wounding to, to lash back and to perpetuate any of those cycles. And that's, that's amazing. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you say, you know, it feels ridiculous that we have to even talk about someone who looks different or maybe has different beliefs, religious beliefs, you know, which is so much of the story of, of human hatred. What I think is really the hardest that I'm seeing right now is like, that people think they have an actual reason to wish someone harm now because they have like Mm. a profound disagreement with them, like political disagreement or because um, that person is hateful, you know, like to have ill will towards someone because they're racist, let's say. And, and that, that's where I'm trying to catch the fall of like, even if I disagree with someone, even if I think they're doing harm, if I harbor ill will towards them, even before going towards hate, actual hatred, you know, if I harbor ill mm-hmm. will and want to wish them harm, like I'm already participating in this disorder. So to be able to take a stand, like when it's, when it's the color of someone's skin, you know. I, it's never going to be like, oh, I need to take a stand about this. I agree, you know, we're we're humanity. We look different. Mm-hmm. We come from different places. But when it's something where I where I disagree with someone, I think that they're the one enacting harm. How can I take a stand and be a protector, but not water the seed of um, ill will towards them? You know, not not play the other game with them.
1: Thank you for making that that distinction because, yeah, I hadn't even considered that when I started to say what I did because, yeah, even people with, I mean, every side thinks they're in the right and that's why they feel like they can have those feelings. Yeah. But even people who feel morally superior attack people because they think they're being morally superior. Right, right. Like just off the top of my head, I think of vegans where, yeah, like you're doing a, a just cause and the cause of veganism is great. and but when you become such a zealot that you are participating in the same kind of behavior that you are condemning (laughs) the other side Mm -hmm. for. Yeah. It just becomes like, just a, I guess I'll just say it shit show. Um, (laughs) I was trying to find a better word, but I couldn't (laughs) find one. Uh, Yeah.
2: And it's, it's not, you know, if, if, If you, if what you actually envision is more peace and harmony in the world, you know, which I think a lot of people would say that they do, this is a part of that, you know, it's like, Hmm. how do you walk in that direction in peace and harmony, not in like, we can have peace and harmony once we get rid of all those people.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you all just thought like me, then yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Then we'd be in perfect harmony. (laughs) I know. Yep. Yeah,
1: that's pretty funny. So to circle back to the Dragon Prince uh, notion, I was it's been a little while since I'd, I'd watched the show. So I totally forgot the whole notion of Rayla being an assassin and not being able to bring herself to kill. And that's mm-hmm. like really cool. Uh, the other thing I was going to post to you was uh, if you've taken any time to consider the whole picture of what that mythic story has to say about this whole aspect of uh, hate kind of being humanity's autoimmune disease in Ooh. relation to that story and into relation to your story?
2: I really haven't. Do you, have you been thinking about that? Tell me your thoughts.
1: I I have thought about it this morning. Uh, it just like, or maybe it was, the, no, I guess it was this morning. Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about it, uh, the storyline, sorry for anybody who's not seen the show I might want to watch it after this. Uh, but essentially there's this world and this mythical world that the show creates. And on one side it's humans, on one side it's this magical kind of they're not all humanoids, but there's like elves and uh all kinds of kind of mystical, mythical kind of creatures. And there's like a dragon who keeps the peace between the two sides. And then the dragon ends up dying and the two worlds start kind of colliding a little bit and Rayla ends up kind of going to kill the king of the human side and ends up stumbling across his stepson, ends up finding a dragon egg. And so then all of a sudden Rayla decides that uh, I can't kill and I have to return this egg to... The dragon queen or I, I don't know i can't this is the part i'm not remembering i don't remember if she was just like asleep
2: yeah well the humans the humans had killed the dragon to begin with the humans had killed the dragon and then
1: right okay
2: the destroyed the egg so it was like that that was over you know the, the dragons were gone and the egg was gone and there was the assassins were coming in vengeance she was supposed to kill out of vengeance
1: mm, yes yeah. and so yeah and so the the mythical side is is upset because the humans killed the dragon, and they thought they destroyed all the eggs, so the dragon would never return. And so they're bitter and angry and mad. And the humans are they want their own thirst for power and are angry because they don't have magical power of their own. And yeah. so yeah, it becomes this crazy story of this huge divide and these this band of a few people trying to restore that power. And all of them, even yeah, I mean, even Ezra, he ends up becoming king, and he doesn't want he wants to try to bring peace. I mean, there's a couple mm-hmm. characters in that lineup that both are like, no, we're not participating in yeah. the, the mutual hatred that both sides have, and we're going right. we're going to create an experience to where the world can find their way back to each other. So
2: and their faith, their faith that if they bring the egg and say, look, there's still new light. You know that they their faith that the two sides will be able to forgive each other.
1: That the dragon prince is like a symbol that uh can re, uh, unite the two, and yeah, essentially bring peace back to the world. So it's yeah. Do you have any initial like kind of aha's about a mythic story being kind of related to this epiphany that you're having?
2: I, I don't. I'm not having like an aha that you know, uh, changes it, but I'm loving that connection that Rayla is also there to show me, to remind me of all of them and their, their decision to choose peace and to choose the peril that they walk through to return this egg to its mother and um, their faith that the egg and the baby and the next generation And the the possibility of forgiveness on both sides um, is something worth, (laughs) worth doing together. So that just feels really beautiful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. To connect those.
1: It's one of my favorite things that dreams do where they, they align your, your own personal story with like a, a mythic story and To me, it's so cool because it not only like endears me deeper to the story, especially if it's one that I really like, um, makes me feel Mm -hmm. like somehow I'm connected to it. Uh, But yeah, it also like allows you to look at what that storyline is and and retrieve little gems and bits of insight and how it relates to your own life. And yeah, it's really, really pretty cool.
2: Yes, my aha moment is I should watch the whole series again and yeah. see what else, <laughs> see what else there is for me
1: there. <laughs> yeah, I bet I bet there would be too. I, I, cause, yeah,
2: I think you're right.
1: I mean, every time you you uh, reread a book or you look back at a series like that, that holds kind of uh, power like that for you. And there is always like a little something here and there that is like, holy cow, mm-hmm. that like makes mm-hmm. so much more sense to me now, or like affects me in a yeah. different way. Yeah, I sure. think I need to go back and rewatch it now too. <laughs>
2: okay, yeah, let's we'll do
1: it. <laughs> and so, yeah, I guess like you view you view the the ancestral trauma that hate is inflicted upon you as like the manifestation of, I mean, not you personally, but I uh, mean, maybe personally, but uh, more so like something that you have inherited that is carried down through your family line and has manifested in you as this thyroid condition Mm -hmm. and that through working through this and working through the ancestral component that you're also kind of that this kind of work is is also like in a way collectively healing the world because if if you're doing your work personally and ancestrally like the ancestral level ties very much into the collective one in my opinion Mm and. Those deeper issues that are so much bigger than we are, and so yeah, it, to me it seems like this is—you've been called <laughs> into duty to mm-hmm. to try your best to try to figure out how you can personally help work this. How do you? How do you uh, look at that kind of that kind of life work ahead of you?
2: Yeah, I think that everything you said is true. Um, that healing, healing this within me has ripples out toward my ancestors and towards the future beings and to the people alive right now with me too. So that feels, you know, I I embrace the idea that as we heal ourselves, we heal the earth. And as we heal the earth, we heal ourselves. And humanity is included in the earth, contrary to what many believe that somehow we're (laughs) just a scourge upon this planet. Um, so that feels really true. I, I feel like something will unfold that hasn't taken shape yet where I can take a more active role in this healing on the, on the bigger scale. It is a part of how I walk through the world though, to, to choose. I mean, unfortunately, there are a lot of opportunities (laughs) to choose to not walk down the us and them us versus them (laughs) way of thinking just in conversation with people and in the way that I present ideas. And so that's a choice that I'm committed to making. And I, I hope that it will have a positive effect, you know, just by, just by living in that way and, and holding that orientation, you know, but
1: yeah, for sure.
2: But there's more, I have that sense, you know, that there's more to come on this.
1: Yeah, I would think like the work is just beginning for you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so.
1: Unfortunately.
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, in some ways. You know, it's it's exciting at the same time, you know, to feel like, wow, after all this time something's just beginning. <laughs> and and it feels so purposeful. Yeah. You know, you you were referencing what I said in the the New Moon episode this month about expanding my podcast and my work and really, really playing my role in this great turning, you know, of humanity's way of being on the planet, you know, turning toward life-sustaining societies. And this all ties to the personal journey we've been talking about. I, I am in such a different place than I was four years ago. I actually feel really good. Most days I feel very good. I have to take care of myself in um, really specific ways to feel good, but I feel good and I feel inspired and I feel nourished to where I can feel like I'm serving from my overflow. And Mm -hmm. that feels so much more powerful than the like Desperate, I've almost run dry, but I gotta help everybody who's suffering kind of quality that I recognize from years before, you know, and yeah. and so this expansion and also like man, people are way more into coming along when it's like, hey, this is fun, this feels good. Let's go feel good and love being alive and let that inspire us and nourish us into. Playing our roles in the Great Turning, into into overflowing into this service and this inspiration. So like for that to be just beginning right now feels really good.
1: Yeah. I can I can feel it. That's that's really cool. And I, I just love what you say about the Great Turning. I haven't listened to the full episode, your most recent one, but I, I listened to it enough to have heard you talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. And I just I think it's beautiful because the way you the way you just described it is that we're turning back to being life sustaining and I feel like that is so visible in all of these dreams for you of you know finding finding that that way to to what am I trying to say here to to have that warrior power within you to master yourself essentially and to not allow the hate or the condition or any other octave of that that you want to look at uh, to control you and for you to allow yourself to harness it in such a way that is life-giving, that is life-affirming and that I I really feel like if that's the, the direction that you're heading, you are being readied for it right now. It's so incredible to watch and it seems evident to me at least that your dreams are working you to be that person in the world and Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful and I am honored to know you and I am so excited to see how this whole thing for you just continues to kind of become even more crystal clear for you as far as how you're being asked to show up in this capacity because I just feel like you're on the precipice of this massive like really cool thing that you're doing and i i just see it just gaining more and more speed as you continue down the path and i'm excited for you dude
2: <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you steve for for your deep listening and for your support and just like being in it with me i it means the world to me so thank you for all of that
1: yeah
2: i I'm, sure. I'm Equally excited for you. I love watching your path unfold and hearing your voice.
1: So. Well, thank it's you. I appreciate man. that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I've always just really appreciated you because it, it feels like we've been long lost friends that never never crossed paths. And as soon as we did, yeah. we are just like, hey. Yes,
2: yeah, <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay, let's pick up.
1: Yeah, so that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. And I I kind of feel like I'm on the same, like, the initiation journey that I've been going through has very much been preparing me for, for whatever my life work is supposed to look like. And
0: yeah. I am
1: starting, just like you, starting to see small fragments of what that actually looks like. And, like, this podcast for me is, like, a big deal to me because this is such, like... It just combines so many of my passions all into one it just like my music now which is is so deeply inspired by dreams which is so cool to be able to combine both those passions into one where my dreams are offering me music to write that's mm-hmm. like so much beyond anything that i could ever know how to be sufficiently grateful for because <laughs> that's what i've always wanted
2: yeah.
1: and and now even with this even though. I'm having to create so many little instrumental pieces. There's no way that my dreams are going to give me all of those pieces. But at the same time, it's combining music with dreams. And Mm -hmm. there's something so natural for me to be working with both of those because they are two of my greatest passions. And so now, all of a sudden, I just had this realization that that's the case, like, a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, I'm doing two... (laughs) creative projects right now that feels so perfect for me they just feel like i'm in yeah. such alignment with myself finally and mm-hmm. that's the recipe that they both involve music and they both involve dreams and i'm able to yeah. combine the two in a really beautiful and impactful way and so yeah we'll, we'll see what other <laughs> what other uh creative avenues that open up for me in the future here that allow me to do a lot of the same so yeah, very excited. So thank oh, you for sure. that reflection back to me. I really appreciate that. And, yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Uh, and so if you want more information from Leilani, uh, she is amazing. I just sat in with a dream group with her a couple of weeks ago, and my whole world shattered during it. <laughs> and I think you'll actually get to hear that on her podcast coming up. Yeah, because we actually recorded that for a podcast of hers, and I went into it going, "Yeah, yes, this is gonna be fun." And fun. at the end of it, was just like, "Holy cow!" I was not expecting to fall apart so incredibly, um, but it's a it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I've been wanting to be on your podcast for a while now, and I think that is actually the way I would have wanted to be on there is to actually show, show that kind of work. Um, oh yeah, you showed up so. so
2: fully. I was, I was and I am so grateful for how open, how openly you showed up for that.
1: Look out for that. Her podcast is called The Dreamer's Den. You can find that on pretty much any streaming platform. Correct.
2: Yep, it is there, and you can get to it from thedreamersden.org.
1: Awesome. Is there any anywhere else you you want to shout out real quick where they can find you?
2: Yeah, and if anyone wants to keep in touch on Instagram, I'm on there most regularly of any kind of social media, and I'm at Leilani Navar there with two underscores at Leilani underscore underscore Navar.
1: So yeah, check her out if if you want to dive into dream work with her. I would totally, totally encourage you to do so because she's amazing, and I give my full stamp of approval. <laughs> if that means anything <laughs> to anybody. Um, I appreciate it.
2: So
0: yeah. <laughs> wow. What a fascinating discussion. Leilani really lays out for us how she used her dreams to help her heal her body, help her heal more deeply into her spirit and into her ancestry. You can follow Leilani and get a lot more information if you go to thedreamersden.org and listen to her podcast, The Dreamer's Den. For Steven Ernenwine, boy, you can find him everywhere on the internet, I suggest that you look him up on music streaming services and take a listen to the amazing music that he creates based on his dreams. And I'm your co-host, J.M. Debord Find me at jmdeboard.com or at dreams.reddit.com the largest online site and community for sharing and interpreting dreams. I'm known there as Raddow. Thank you, friends, for listening to this podcast. And a big thank you for sharing it widely with your friends, with your family, and with anyone who wants to know that dreams are deeply meaningful and impactful on your life and can have great benefits for you. If you learn how to listen to them and follow up, by taking their advice and applying it to your life. For my co-host Stephen Ernenwine, I'm J.M. DeBoard. Thank you for listening and nighty night.